Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Collaboration over competition. I love that you guys have been talking about that. Being open and humble enough to being inspired from others that may be half your age. All things that I say in relation to my guest today, Halataha. Quick 101 for those who I'm introducing her to for the first time. Her day job, she is Lifecycle Marketing Ops and Growth Platform Manager at a little company called Disney, their streaming services division. And her passion, one of the fastest growing podcasts out there, YAP Young and Profiting. Some other fun facts, she started her career in radio at Hot 97 here in New York as Angie Martinez's assistant. For those of you who don't know, Hot 97 is a hip hop channel here. And she also launched her own successful blog, The Sorority of Hip Hop, that MTV scouted and almost launched a reality show. And I believe you were in talks to potentially star in that too, and we'll dig into that in a little bit. And Hala landed on my radar because of her branding, her marketing, her tenacity around her podcast, and it was ever present on LinkedIn. And I checked out a couple of episodes for her show, and I knew that we had to connect. Have her on the show today to share her story and insights with the tribe. Hala, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Good stuff. I certainly appreciate it. So before we dig in, why don't you take us a step back and give my tribe a little bit on your origin story. I'd love for them to get a sense kind of of like who you are, where you come from, and how we got to where we are today. Sure. So um, I think the best place to start is probably in college. So that's when I really started my like career and where I am today. Um, I landed an internship at Hot 97 with um, starting as a production intern. I did really well with that. And then Angie Martinez, and for those of you who don't know, she was known as like the voice of New York. And this was back mm-hmm. in 2000 and probably eight-ish. And back then she was even bigger than she is today. And it was the number one hip hop, you know, radio show in the world. And, you know, I did a good job being an intern at Hot 97. So they recruited me to her show. Um, So to give you guys an idea, what this meant is that I literally met like every celebrity you could think about. And I was one of the only people who were in the studio. Um, You know, there was maybe like Mm -hmm. five people who would meet the celebrities. So I got really into that world. I ended up growing like a pretty big Twitter following off of that. Um, I had really big connections in the music industry. And, um, you know, I actually worked at Hot 97 for the experience. It was mostly free. Like I, I didn't get paid even though I worked there for almost three years. Um, And I I used to make my money um, going to parties with DJs and hosting showcases. And it gave me a chance to, you know, be like, learn how to speak, be a host, get my name out there and, you know, make all these connections. So that was like my first real job. And it was like really set this foundation and passion and love for radio for me. Um, so that's how, how I really got into radio. And then shortly after, you know, I left Hot 97 and I started um, the sorority of hip hop. Um, it was strawberryblunt.com. It was a hip hop site. And um, I had 50 female bloggers under me at the height of it. Wow. And um, 
you know, I learned how to do like website design and, and launch a website and write blogs all by myself. I was self-trained, like learned through YouTube videos and things like that. And I recruited this team. And, you know, within three months, we were one of the most popular hip hop entertainment news sites in the world. And, you know, I just used really unique social media strategies to get our name out there. Love it. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, we could dig deep deep into it if you'd like. Um, you know, MTV scouted us out twice. They um, shot pilots with us. I was almost the lead in, in a TV show on MTV, on Oxygen. Um, Love and Hip Hop scouted me. Yep. Like so many different things um, happened at that time. And, you know, one thing led to another. Um, hip hop industry is really tough for a girl. I ended up leaving, getting my MBA, got a 4.0, went into corporate, worked at HP, now I'm at Disney and then I launched Young and Profiting Podcast. Awesome, good stuff. <laughs> and it's great. And I love your story too, because one thing I talk about with, you know, I'm in the recruiting business too. And I talk to, you know, people in college or right after college too, is the value of that internship, right? How much yeah. experience you get to. And I, and I think one of the big things that I took away from my internships was learning how to be, react in those type of relationships in the corporate environment. Because being yeah. in college are much different relationships as well and taking those relationships and building on them to where you are today. So this success is obviously not overnight. You've built up an audience. You've built up that skill set to really understand how to build, produce a show and build an audience. So yeah. let's talk about the podcast, the Young and Profiting Podcast. What was the impetus behind it? Well, you know, I really wanted a chance to, first of all, learn from other people. It really gave me an opportunity to be able to reach out to people who would otherwise not want to talk to me. So a lot of people even reach out to me now, like, hey, you want to chat and have a cup of coffee? It's like, no, I actually don't have time right. for you, you know, <laughs> not to be mean, but I just don't have the time. And of course, the higher up you get on the food chain, these people have less and less time. And so I wanted to be able to have an excuse to talk to people authors, millionaires, billionaires, CEOs that I otherwise would have no chance to speak with um, by having this platform. And then secondarily, and probably more importantly, I really wanted a chance to help other people learn, to help young millennials. Um, and you know, my listeners ended up being all ages, but originally it was to help millennials grow, you know, uh, financially and professionally by learning a new topic each week. And I really wanted to like dig deep into each topic and really provide value. Um, it ha the podcast has nothing to do with me. Um, in fact, my listeners want to learn more about me and I need to get better at that. Um, because it's really all about the value that the guests can provide. And, oh, and those are my two main goals. Absolutely. And I, and I love it. And I had a chance to, to check out a couple episodes recently, which we'll talk about. So, I mean, I think the stat, I think there's like 7 million podcasts out there. I don't even know what the stat is daily, but you know, we're being flooded. Um, and I encourage people to, to create podcasts and try. And for me, it's a creative outlet. So let's talk a little bit about your, your approach to building a show. I think you're what, I'm close to 40 episodes in right now for this particular show. Yeah. Got it. So let's talk about the kind of the process. Let's peel back the curtain a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Let's talk about how you identify a guest, whether it be inbound or outbound, um, through the process of building a show, your research and the prep that goes into it. Sure. So basically, it, it's really twofold. So one side of the house is um, guests that we target from the Young and Profiting team. So I have somebody on my team, his name is Hashem. And basically what we do, we have like an Excel spreadsheet and we go and we, we, we look at the guests that we want to target. So sometimes we look at other podcasts that are competitors and we see who have they gotten on. We are about the same level or maybe a podcast that's a little better than us. 
who have they gotten on? Let's look at those people, see if it's something that we want to, we want to talk about. Secondarily, we might look at like, what are the top business books of 2019? Who are those authors? Let's reach out to them. Who are the top CEOs? Who are the most famous CEOs that ever existed? What are the billionaires in America? Let's, let's see if we can reach out to any of them. So, so there's lots of different approaches that we take. Um, We also, you know, look at their social media following. That's really important to make sure that they have a decent social media following, especially on LinkedIn. That's our main platform. So Mm -hmm. sometimes like, you know, somebody might not have a following on LinkedIn at all. And that's not really good for our brand because that's where we're trying to really make a big like stink. Um, Another way that we do it is people reach out to us. Um, We don't usually choose those people. I get like, you know, 10 requests a day Mm -hmm. to be on my podcast at least. (laughs) And yeah, constantly pitching me. And it usually those people aren't a fit because we're really about really high quality guests and those people aren't reaching out to us. Well, it's interesting too, right? Because it's there. There's a balance, right? Where I get it, right? Where it's the audience arbitrage, right? You're trying to reach out to new audience as well. But what about like, like, I mean, listen, our, our podcasts are in different places and in 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 audience and everything. Um, I'm also very conscious about telling really interesting stories, and I think there's a value to that um, as well. So, how do you find find that balance where someone may not have, maybe they're up and coming, maybe you see the trajectory there, but they have a really strong story and message to tell. How do you balance that? Yeah. Well. I always evaluate and actually look at people's stories. There's plenty of people on my podcast. Like they're, they're all different levels. Like for example, I just interviewed Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, but recently I had Justin Briso on. He's sort of like an upcoming author. He's not necessarily a best-selling author, right. but like I fell in love with his content. You know, um, he really captivated me. His, his stuff is really good. So sometimes when the quality is just there, um, the person can speak well, they have great content to fall back on, then, you know, I give them an opportunity. It, it really just depends on like, you know, how well-rounded they are and if they have great content to share. A lot of people right. think they want to be on podcasts and think they have enough to talk about on podcasts, but they don't. And um, I find that the interviews where I'm like struggling to think of questions, like those types of things like really frustrate me and I try to avoid it. I, I agree too. And for me, it's a, it's a process. I love the process of the podcast. You and I were talking before I hit the record button here. We both hold full-time jobs. On top mm-hmm. of my job, I have my family, and I'm sure you have tons of extracurricular stuff that you love to do. So it's a combination of, of a passion project plus building our own brands. Um, getting back to the actual process of the podcast creation, because I find it fascinating. I, I put a good amount of research into it, but listening to your show um, and knowing how you kind of work a little bit, you put a lot of research into it, and it shows through, the, through your questioning, and I love it. And we'll talk about the Chris Voss episode in a minute. But talk to us about your research process before each show. Yeah. So, um, I have a big team on at Yagni and Profiting Podcast. Um, I have about 10 people that work on the show because I have a full-time job and because we're scaling so quickly. So I have, um, two people that help me on research, but I personally like take a big uh, lead in, in the research development. So what we do is everybody kind of takes their own separate ways. So I have, it's three of us basically researching everything online about this person. One thing that I don't do that I, I, I think a lot of podcast guests do, they, they basically ask their guests for information. Like, here are some questions, fill it out, fill out this form, um, whatever. I don't do that at all. Um, it's up to my team to find the research, to think about what the topic of the show is going to be. So basically we, 
we do like a, a data dump and we have like a Google doc right. and we all just like pull out all the interesting things, try to organize it as best as possible. We each separately come up with our own questions. And then I take everything and think about what I'm actually going to talk about because, you know, we might think of a hundred questions, but I only have time for 20. Exactly. And, and basically I whittle it down, think of a flow and, and, and for every question I have different sub questions. So basically wherever the conversation might flow, I have a different question depending on how the guest is going to answer it. I also have like data points and facts and anything that like I could think about uh, that, that will help me on the fly contribute to the conversation. Um, especially since I'm not the expert, I kind of need that guidance like on paper. So yeah. And the, so, yeah. And the, re and the research is essential too. And especially with a lot of guests, like, like for me and my show, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of guests that were, are within my swim lane around business recruiting, um, talent acquisition. So I'm able to speak uh, intelligently most of the time, yeah. um, you know, to those topics too. But in your case, you're talking to a lot of people who have crazy background yeah. about neuroscience, billionaires, you know, captains of industry, which may not be your particular area. Expert. Yeah. Um, talking about scaling the show, I mean, you've had tremendous growth in a relatively short period of time. And I think that's built on a lot of the experience that you have, you talked about before, but peeling back the curtain a little bit. Um, what are some tips out there for, you know, whether it be new podcasters or people that are established a little bit to help grow their audience? Yeah, I think being obviously being present on social media is key. I think that if I wasn't an influencer on LinkedIn right now, my podcast would be nowhere where it is today. And and that was really what unlocked it for me. And it was being really uh, unique in my strategy and trying to gain an audience and being very proactive. So I didn't just Absolutely. put out a podcast and just wait for people to come with me. For especially in the beginning, I was messaging people. I was messaging people manually, copying and pasting. Hey, listen to my show, blah blah blah. Nice to meet you. Like and and. You you know, any listener that I had, I would just spend the time engaging and like, I would say 70% of my time on the podcast was just engaging with my listeners and trying to get more people to listen to the podcast. So it was very proactive in my strategies um, and very targeted. Mm -hmm. I would look at other podcast guests, uh, podcasters that were in my lane and see who was listening to their show and reach out to those people and ask them to connect and, you know, yeah, and share my podcast with them so that, you know, I would get a similar audience base. Right. And that's interesting too. You really need to put in the work, right? These things don't happen overnight. They don't happen automatically. You have to put in the work and there's a lot of manual effort. I call it in the trenches, right? These things yeah. don't happen. You know, I mean, even like a Joe Rogan, I mean, he started somewhere, but he definitely built that up. So let's talk about yeah. your, you know, your, your style of interviewing, um, which I like, I like it. it. It's, it's fast moving. It's a good clip. It's thorough. Who inspires you from an interviewer standpoint? On it, and this is going to sound like I'm lying or something, but I don't listen to other podcasts. I mean, I'm not just talking about podcasts. It could be radio Anybody? personalities, TV, you know, Barbara Walters, you know, that type of like, you know, legendary status. Like, who do you look to? Um, you know, Gary Vee is somebody that I really like and that I really admire. Um, as far as interview style, I really don't have a one particular person. I think maybe Tim Ferriss. A lot of people have said that we have similar styles. I have listened to his show in the past, right. so maybe subconsciously I've taken a cue from him. Um, but as far as like, you know, imitating someone or um, trying to, to, you know, get guidance from another podcaster in their style, I really try to be like in a, in a box when it came to my own show and just try to think about like, what, I dig it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that, that, that's cool. And, and, and for me, it's interesting too. I mean, I've been following, listening to Howard Stern for, for as long as I can remember. And we're not talking about the dirty side of Howard Stern. We're talking about the last 10 years of Howard Stern ever since he went over to Sirius XM. And I was lucky enough, I, got to, I worked at Sirius XM a year after he came on board for about five years. So I had a front row seat to his evolution. And it really was when he came over to Sirius XM and he had this open format where he could interview guests openly for as long as he wanted to. And it started to really evolve his style where it was a conversation and bringing things out of them that they would never you know, talk about before and less of that Q&A back and forth. And that's something that I kind of strive towards. And mm -hmm. like you too, it's really about defining my own style with infusing technique and personality. And that's something that you know, I'm working on as well. So talking about your show, um, early on, what are, what are a couple mistakes that, that you made that you recognize that you said, you know what, I recognize this was a mistake or maybe someone called it out to you, someone that you, know, you admire as well, um, maybe from a mentor perspective. And then how'd you go about course correcting that? Yeah, I think the biggest mistake when I when I started was not um, getting episodes done in advance. So um, when I first started, I was by myself. I didn't have a team. I was doing everything A to Z by myself, including editing, including yep. marketing, everything by myself. And I also had a full-time job at the time. So when I first started, it took me like a month or two to get each episode out. Um, so although my podcast is like a year and a half old, I only consider us like a year old because the, f the first like six months, it was just me by myself and I put out like two episodes. They were great episodes, but they were still just two episodes. <laughs> so um, I would have like planned a little bit more and, and basically came out with like three episodes um, at once. And I probably would have gotten on like the iTunes, like featured charts and things like that had I uh, planned a little bit more, but it is what it is. And, and that's how I started. So I think more preparation in the beginning um, I also think that, um, at some points I was doing like very long commercials in the beginning. And I think that might've been a turnoff for listeners. So just yeah, like certain tweets in the format. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting but, too. I, I listened to the Chris Voss, um, podcast, which we'll talk about in a minute, but I, I noticed a lot. I mean, listen, sponsors are, are critical. I mean, that's one of the ultimate goals from a monetization standpoint. It pays the bills, pays for that, you know, 10 person staff that you have, but how do you kind of manage how long a commercial could be before a listener? Well, let me take it back. Listen, any loyal listeners are going to, they know that they're waiting for the meat, right? They're yeah. But a news listener coming in, like, I don't want to listen to this crap. Like, how do you, how do you? I try to it? keep it to like uh, less than two minutes, you <laughs> know? Um, anything more than that, people really start to tune out. At one point I was trying to do like, you know, PSAs and I was having yeah. like folks come on and, and give like their, their pitch for like, you know, domestic violence or whatever. And I noticed that like my downloads dropped significantly and I was like, okay, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. I know. You got you got to, you got to test and learn all the time. So let's talk about, you know, your favorite episodes. And and I said to you the other day, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to, I want to dig in. I want to listen to a couple of them. Mm -hmm. The Chris Voss episode was awesome. And, and it's funny that you called that one out. So I was, you know, we were talking about, I was at LinkedIn connect in Dallas, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago where, where I ran into Gary B and had whole my, had my whole thing, which I'm not going to dig into now, but it was funny because the, <laughs> Right after Gary V, I went to go run to catch a, Chris Voss was speaking there. He was doing a whole thing on negotiation, oh, nice. which was awesome. And I ran, like I met Gary. I was like, oh, this is great. I just had my, my Gary thing. And then I ran over and the door was shut. It was at capacity. And I was like, this is the one, this is the one session that I wanted to go to. I had it marked on my calendar. I had it marked on my phone and the door was shut in my face. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I was so happy when you said, when you pointed that one out and I listened to it on the train yesterday, um, going to the city, uh, you really did your research. So definitely kudos to that. And it's interesting because in it took me like a couple minutes to kind of warm up into him. Right. I don't know if anyone else kind of got that. And then I got into the flow with, with you and him back and forth. And there was so much actionable, tangible 
pieces there. He was talking about mirroring. He was talking about the I'm sorry concept. And I'm literally like making mental notes in my head. Why is that episode your favorite? Well, because just like you said, some it's all about the guest really. Um, I could do all the research that I want, but if the guest is not prepared and knowledgeable, the show sucks. So he is just so smart and he knew every answer that I asked. He, he, sorry, every question that I asked, he answered it in the way that like, you know, I hoped he would and thought mm -hmm. he would. And so it just really helped. Um, it was like everything that I prepared kind of just flew, uh, flowed seamlessly throughout the episode. And it's really just because he's just such a smart and talented guy and it's truly his expertise. And he's probably one of so the good. best people in the world in regards to negotiation. And not only that, some guests aren't like that welcoming or humble. And he like was just a very welcoming, like was willing to give me his full self, his full energy. Yep. And and not every guest is willing to do that. Some guests take like 20 minutes to finally realize, oh, wow, she did her research. Let me start being nice to her. Or like, you know what I mean? Some, some guests take a while to warm up. Do you find it a good technique? That's an interesting point here. So like, do you find it a good technique, like as an early on question to come with a question that's well-prepared, that has those stats, insights that shows you did your, their home, your homework to kind of unlock them a little bit and make them a little bit more comfortable and open? Yeah. I, and you know what? I think sometimes what throws guests off is because I purposely act stupid. I ask questions that I obviously know the answer to because I want it to, I don't want me to say the answer. I want them to say the answer. And I think some guests are more used to interviews where they'll understand that I'm not asking it because I'm dumb. I'm at, or like, because I'm not well-researched is because I know that I'm asking the question to actually get the nugget out of their mouth, you know? Of so, course. so that's, that's, you know, right. I mean, you want, you definitely want to lead them there. Let's talk about your least favorite guest, your <laughs> least favorite. No, no, we're not, we're not going to go there. I don't want to, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to insult anybody there. Um, so what key piece of advice, if you're going to give one piece of advice to somebody starting a podcast, what would it be? It would be to make sure that you pick something that you're, you'll stay passionate about and that you remain consistent. You know, consistency is key. Once you start a podcast, you're going to want to put out an episode every week. So make sure that you have the time, make sure that you have the passion for it and make sure that you're putting out quality content because the, the market is totally flooded with podcasters, yep. but there's still room for everyone. There's 8 billion people in the world. There's going to be people who will listen to your podcast. I'm not discouraging you to have a podcast, but make sure you have a quality show that has a clear purpose and make sure that you actually have the time both to produce and promote your show because you have to spend equal time on both. It's not one or the other. And that's what people don't understand. Um, I spend just as much time, probably more time promoting my podcast as I do recording, producing, distributing, and so on. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you too. And I, and I think that's something that I didn't really think about before launching my show. I mean, it was a very organic process is how much time and effort it would take. You know, my background's in marketing. So I'm like, shit, like I really got to put the time in and do it right. So let's shift gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about your day job. What do you do for Disney? So at Disney, I'm a, a manager of platforms. So basically what I do is I'm helping our marketing team grow the best possible marketing tech stack. And I evaluate different vendors. I negotiate contracts. I onboard um, the technology, work with our engineering teams to get it integrated into other platforms. 
train users on these platforms. Um, and then also I do project management. So for those of you who don't know, Disney streaming services is about to go live in the US. And so um, to, to support the team, I'm basically helping getting all of our email messages for lifecycle retention on track. And it's a huge, huge complex project. Um, so Disney keeps me very busy, but I love it because I'm on like the cusp of marketing and I know I feel like I literally am on the cutting edge of everything having to do with marketing and streaming. And it's such a hot lane to be in that I couldn't imagine being anywhere else. That's awesome. And you actually answered my next question. I was going to ask you what you love most about it. So I'll kind of switch it. So what I, let's talk about culture. Culture is a big thing here. Yeah. What, what do you love most about the culture at Disney? Well, right now I'm at Disney streaming services and we're basically a startup in and within within Disney. And that's really right. cool. So basically we have a startup mentality where we can, you know, be quick, be agile, but then we have the resources of like a fortune 50 company. Um, so it basically is the best of both worlds. Um, and in terms of culture, it's that startup mentality. It's the fact that everybody is super smart. Um, you know, at previous jobs, I, I tended to be like the star of my marketing team. I think I'm rising up the ranks at Disney. I'm fairly new, but it's like, everyone's a star, you know, it's just such, um, such smart talented people and I'm just constantly learning every day I'm learning and and it. it's the first time I've ever had an experience where I'm not the smartest marketer in the room but it's great because That's I'm learning thing. yeah, yeah of, of course and Hala who's your favorite Disney character <laughs> of, all, of all time I, th I think it has to be Princess Jasmine because I'm Arabic and she was my favorite princess <laughs> oh I knew it I know she, she she's she's absolutely awesome so let's talk about leadership a little bit you know you run a 10-person team here with the podcast you have the blog with 50 bloggers you're president of your alumni association mm -hmm. uh the young employee network at HP so distilling leadership especially someone who's still relatively you know relatively young in your career you know what are some of those real important lessons that you've learned um on your own from, from process and then as well from others. Yeah. So one of the key things that I learned is that as a leader of a team, you always have to work the hardest. Um, that's a key thing. You cannot expect someone to care as much about you as your thing. So when I ran a blog, yep. I had to work the hardest. When I was president of the young employee network, I had to work the hardest. Nobody's going to respect you or, or respect anything that you ask of them if they feel that you're not putting in the work. Yeah, so that's number one, uh, making sure that you're visibly the hardest working one on the team and that you lead by example and you, you know, you don't miss deadlines and things like that. The other thing is paying attention to people's motivations. So what are they actually interested in? Checking in on them, having one-on-one -on -one time with them, giving them feedback, um, just taking the time to actually know your team and respect your team and understand what their goals are and understand that, you know, they're not going to be with you forever and helping them take that next step. So whatever that may be, whether that's helping them with a job interview or anything like that, most of the like leadership position or sorry, team members that I've had so far, I'm not able to pay them, you know? So when I had the blog, I was super young. I did not pay any of those girls, right. but they got the experience. Experience and everybody learned what they needed to learn to take the next step in their life, you know, and everybody got exposure and, and got, got skills and things like that. Um, so just making sure that I know clearly what everybody is aiming to be and to learn and, and giving them opportunities to fulfill that. That's fantastic. Some real actionable advice into that one. So let's flip it around a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm sure you've had, you know, as successful as you are, you know, you've had your, your failures in your career and in your life. You know, talk to us a little bit about, you know, failure and like understanding how to appreciate a failure and, and pivoting and learning from failures. Yeah. So for me, um, failure is rejection most of the time, right? And for me, 
rejection is simply redirection. That's like a motto that I, I that like I, live I dig by. it. I dig it. And and basically, what that means is that if you are being rejected or if you're failing, step 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 outside for a second and realize like maybe. I need to do something differently. Maybe I need to go a different way. Maybe I need to open my own door. A lot of the times um, when you get rejected, when you fail, it's because somebody else is not letting you do something or somebody else. Uh, I'll give you a, a real example. Please. So when I worked at HP, I was president of the Young Employee Network for two years. And I, I founded this Young Employee Network at my office site. And at the time, I wanted to be president of the Global Young Employee Network. And I was recruitment chair in the Global Young Employee Network. And I literally put hours and hours and hours into this extracurricular thing. Um, and everybody knew me at the company and, and like, you know, all the the CEO, CFO, CMO, everybody respected me. And like, mm -hmm. I was like a shoe in for the president position. And there was no voting or anything like that. But for some reason, there was like some lady in HR who like hated me. And so mm -hmm. I didn't get it. You know, and everybody, even on the board was like, why didn't Holla get it? And I was so upset and, you know, I was devastated, but then I realized like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. And guess what I did right after that? I started Young and Profiting Podcast mm -hmm. with my free time. And imagine Everything if that didn't happen, yeah. I would not have had the time to work on this podcast and it would have never existed. And it's because I realized like, let me step back. What do I really want? I wanted to help people. I wanted to lead people. I don't need to have this. I don't need to be president of the global young employee network at HP. I can do it on my own. Mm -hmm. I can build my own lane. And so almost everything in my life has happened at that. When I was working at Hot 97, Angie Martinez fired me. Um, and it's a long story. We're, we're fine now, but like she fired me at the say, time. Doesn't it feel good to say that? It feels good. It's like liberating. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so that happened. Mm -hmm. And right after that, what did I do? I started my blog site immediately. I learned how, I learned all these skills. And if, if it wasn't for being fired at Hot 87, I would have never started my blog site and I would have never learned all those skills. And so it's just like every failure actually leads you to something else. And, and it's almost like a blessing in disguise. And you really 100%. have to believe that. You have to believe that. And now every time something bad happens, I literally am like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because so <laughs> what's far- waiting on the other side of it? Exactly. <laughs> because so far, every time something devastating happens to me, my next big opportunity is right there waiting and it's and it's incredible and i've been i've been talking a lot about this concept with other guests and friends too that life happens for you not at you right like life happens yeah it happened for a reason and another quote that i absolutely love i think it's einstein that said it he said failure is success in progress i mean that mm -hmm. that's what it is it's in motion there um so real quick i want to talk uh, real quick about linkedin and your success on linkedin couple of quick tips out there because you're crushing it on LinkedIn. And I think there's a lot of parallels between your podcast approach and, and LinkedIn with consistency and everything. What are mm -hmm. a couple of, of tips for people out there who might be a little hesitant to, to put themselves out on the platform, whether it be on video, articles, long form, short form? Yeah. Okay. So I think that everything's really twofold. First, we can start with growing a following and then we can talk about like posting content. So in terms of growing a following, you want to be really, really targeted. LinkedIn is full of people who have, who have joined LinkedIn just to apply for a job and then they never come back on. One off. And so, yes, the, and they're call, I call them dead connections. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that you want to do is to avoid at all costs connecting with somebody who barely engages on any posts. That's so before you connect with someone, you want to look at their activity and see if they're actually engaging on other people's posts um, if they invite you to connect. Um, then you also be, you want to be really targeted in your invites. So one of the things you can do is first of all, look at an influencer that's out there 
um, that is uh, a competitor and see who's following them. And then you can basically see who's active out of those followers and invite them to connect with a personalized note. Audience mirroring. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so you know exactly what you're getting and they're most likely interested in your content. And if they're interested in your content, you know that they're most likely going to engage. So it's just like increases in the chances of you having an engaged community. Um, the second thing you do is obviously like search. Um, so like, let's say if you're looking for other podcast hosts, you would search for, mm -hmm. you know, podcast hosts and, and follow those people. Um, Another thing that you can do and what I really recommend is to look at an influencer and just look at their latest posts. Then you'll be even more targeted to find the people who have recently been engaged on yeah. LinkedIn. I mean, it's all there for you. Yeah. And so look at the people. If you're looking for people who comment, follow just commenters and only invite commenters. I did that all the time. And then I, I have such an engaged community because I followed people who comment on LinkedIn. You right. know? I mean, this isn't, I mean it's, it isn't rocket science, but it's, it's crazy to think how many people don't understand that are not doing it themselves. And it's all there for you. Yeah. It's all right in front of you. And you, you just, you just got to take action on it. Yeah. Right? Looking at people who have astronomical numbers and it's really understanding that there is a method to their madness and there yeah. is an approach to it. Um, and taking those things. Yeah. One more thing I want to sure, just mention absolutely. about uh, an example of a micro community. So this is sort of like a new concept a lot of people are not talking about. So basically, I did it with Gary Vee. I did it with Quinton alums. Um, I did it with a lot of people who were um, guests on my podcast. So basically what I did is I looked at their recent posts. Me and my team, we have like VAs and, um, you know, we use automation at some point as well. And we basically followed, uh, we fo invited everybody to connect who liked and commented on Gary Vee's posts, right? Um, so we did that for like three or four months and I probably have like at least 10,000 connections that are similar between me and Gary V now, right? That are active on LinkedIn. So now every time I post on Gary's content, I try to do like a, a really witty comment or something. I'll get like a hundred likes on my comment and I'll be the top post and I'll get like more likes on my comment than Gary V gets on his <laughs> comments on his posts, literally. Um, I've like hacked his, like his, 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 uh, page. And so I literally get all his views that he gets. And every time I'm on the co top comment, I get like maybe a hundred connection requests. So that's Smart. another like secret that a lot of people, um, aren't using. And this takes work too, you know, I, and I love it. And, and it's, and it's a trial and, and error for everybody to really try to figure out what works for you. Make sure you, I think you hit mm -hmm. the nail on the head with, it's not just spray and pray, right? You have to be laser focused. You have to be a sniper and really understand who you know your your target is absolutely. So you know, there's a lot of people out there that are trying to find their spark, right? And they're struggling struggling to find it. What advice would you give to help someone find their spark, to find that real inner tenacity? Pause on that for a second. I mean, that I feel is why I was attracted to you and your content. I see it and I feel it and I applaud you for your tenacity. Thank you. So, are you asking like how can somebody find their passion? Exactly. Well. I think that it, I think it has to honestly come naturally. Like, what are you gravitated to? What do you, what feels like, what doesn't feel like work? What comes effortlessly? Uh, for me, um, working on my podcast is fun. You know, what do you actually enjoy doing? And I would probably like make a note, like if you're really struggling trying to think about like what you want to do for the rest of your life and what you're passionate about, think about all the activities that you do, all the work that you do, and maybe start a journal and write down everything that you're doing and good write point. down, does it feel good? Does this feel like I'm going against the grain or just, does this feel like I'm going with the grain? You know, um, does this feel natural or does this feel unnatural? Am I talented at this or do I struggle with this? That's, um, well, that's well said. You know, so I, I think that, um, 
you know, really analyzing how you feel about the activities that you're doing to start to realize like, what are the types of things that I actually enjoy doing and what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Right. Ex- exactly. That's fantastic. So I, I love what the work that you're doing uh, with Jordan Paris and you're talking someone who I absolutely adore. I love the guy. Um, you talk about collaboration over comp- competition. Let's unpack that a little bit and explain to our audience what that really means. Yeah. So um, every time you meet somebody who's, you know, on your level um, in the same space as you, you always have two options. You can collaborate or compete. Me and you are collaborating right now. A lot of people who ask me to come on their show, I don't collaborate with, uh, you know, and I, I made a conscious decision to work with you because I, I see your potential and everything like that. And I think we can mutually benefit from each other. And so I think that you always have a choice and sometimes, and a lot of people go the competitive route and I think that it's the wrong decision. Um, so me and Jordan, um, we are very, very similar. Our podcasts are very similar. Yep. We both have a very big LinkedIn following. We both similar have very si- similar demographics, similar skills. Mm-hmm. similar personalities even. Yeah. So um, I, I really feel he's like the male version of me and vice versa. <laughs> like, you know, so we're very similar. Um, and I had no idea about him until recently. But, um, you know, when I saw nice. him, I was like, he's great. Let me have him on the show. Um, then he invited me on his show. And we ended up like really collaborating. And um, we have a very similar level of guests. And not a lot of podcasts get the level of guests that we yeah, get. Totally. Um, it's like me, him, Mark Metry, and like a few others on LinkedIn who are getting like the same level of guests. And so we decided like, why don't we introduce each other to the same guests that took us, you know, and and then it it, it basically like helped us tenfold and get further ahead faster. And it's also good karma and it's the right thing to do. And it just feels right. It feels right in your heart. So let's bring it home a little bit. A couple of quick questions I ask every guest because I love to put in perspective and I love to get different answers here and, and put it in the context of the guest and the overall show. What does the word authentic mean to you? Uh, authenticity means being transparent. Uh, not afraid to be vulnerable, um, not afraid to show that you experience pain, show that you experience um, hardships, and just being fully honest with people, showing people your dark side, um, not only showing people that you're positive, but mm-hmm. also embracing the fact that you're not a perfect person. And to me, that's what authenticity authenticity yeah. means. <laughs> it's, it, it's a tough one. And what do you think to date is your greatest accomplishment? professionally, personally, just what do you feel something like you have that gold medal, that big trophy on your shelf? Um, I think it has to be getting a 4.0 in my MBA and graduating. That's That's huge. Yeah, that's great. Big gold star for you there. Um, and, and, and Hala, what, what is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone on this freaking planet? What is, what is your magical superpower? I think it's my ability to just work hard and not get discouraged. Um, A lot of people, you know, they face hardships and it takes them a while to get back on the horse. And for me, I just bounce back immediately. And I think that's what really differentiates me from other people. I'm able to just kind of get back on the horse and make things happen. I love it. And last but not least, you know, not every day is going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's not always going to be a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. Some days are really tough. Some days are awesome. You're firing on all cylinders. You just had a great interview. Work is great. You just booked like three guests that you never thought you would ever dream of having. What do you look to for gratitude? What is your North Star? Um, I'm as far as like how, like how I practice gratitude. What do you, what do you look to? Like when you're, when you're either down in the dumps and you need to look up to something or, or when you want to show gratitude. 
You know what? I'm really into the law of attraction. So if I'm ever feeling down, if I'm ever feeling like things aren't going my way, I try to step back and think about, am I being positive or am I in a negative mindset right now? Am I causing this rut myself and it's just my perspective that needs to be switched? Um, usually what I find is that things aren't as bad as I'm thinking they are. And it's a it's just a matter of shifting my perspective mm-hmm. and um, outwardly projecting positivity and and things like that, and then things end up turning up. Of course, and, and it's that energy of what you put out into the universe is definitely going to come back to you. Hala, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was so much fun. Thank you. And and in closing here, you know, I, I'm drawn to these young rock stars like, like Hala, Jordan Paris, Mark Metry, Nico, and others because I see something in them that I had at that age, which is tenacity. And the difference is, is they have so many more opportunities at their fingertips now than what I had back then, I sound like the old guy now, and they're taking full advantage of it. And I think that's a key there. And they are shining examples of what millennials are really made of and putting those shitty stereotypes to bed. And Hala capitalizes on every opportunity in front of her and uses every strategy and tool at her disposal to maximize it. And she has found her voice and created a platform to spread her insights and point of view to the world. And I applaud you for that. And I love what you're building. I love the audience building, the community building, but ultimately it's a tribe. You're creating this tribe where you're adding value to each other and kudos for that. And I hope that everyone listening has learned something from her, both tactically and strategically. And more importantly, I hope that you were inspired by her story to ignite your own fire. Thanks for joining me, Hala. I really appreciate it. Where could folks find you? Um, You can find me on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And you can also find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or head over to youngandprofiting.com. Young and Profiting Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, anywhere that you love to listen to podcasts, you can find us. And I highly, highly, highly recommend her show. I've been digging into it more. And and we spoke about it before. I don't listen to a lot of shows. I listen to a little bit of, of, of Joe Rogan, a little bit of this and that, obviously Howard Stern as well. So this show is now on my radar. And thank you again. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels, links below. Subscribe, comment, network, and remember, most importantly, take your online offline. Thank you and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode, jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com.